Have you ever heard someone talking about God's blessing and thought, well, you know, I'm not sure he's blessed me much yet, or I don't think so. I don't think it's right to ask God to bless me. Isn't that selfish? If you have, then you need to discover that God actually does want to bless you. Hi, I'm Bernie Diamond, and thank you so much for joining me again on Christianity Works. Today on the program, we're going to chat about the sorts of blessings that God wants to give you, the ones you really need, which are often different, let me say, to the ones you may have been hoping for. Well, if you were able to join me last week on the program, you'll know that we chatted about the prayer of Jabez. What an amazing little prayer that some unknown guy tucked away in the middle of nine chapters of something as boring as genealogy prayed. Here it is again. Jabez was honoured more than his brothers, and his mother named him Jabez, saying, because I bore him in pain. Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my border, and that your hand might be with me, and that you would keep me from hurt and harm. And God granted him what he asked. It's quite an astounding little prayer for a couple of reasons. The first is because on the surface of things, it appears to be entirely selfish. And second, because despite that, God granted him what he asked for. So either God is in the business of answering selfish, self-serving prayers, or there's something else going on here. And as I said at the beginning of the program, there are plenty of people who believe in Jesus who haven't really experienced a whole bunch of blessing in their lives. Well, perhaps that's not quite true. Let me rephrase that. There are plenty of people who believe in Jesus who don't feel particularly blessed. That's probably more to the point. It seems we're pretty good at ignoring the blessings that God gives us. You know, the basics, our health, the the air that we breathe, the food that's provided for us, the roof over our heads, our family, our friends, our job. Of course, not everybody listening today has all of those things. In fact, as I often say, there are more people listening into this program today who live in poverty, many of them in war zones, than there are wealthy people in the Western developed nations. But whoever we are, Wherever we are, we all have some blessings to be thankful for. It's just that we ignore those and we want this or we want that in our lives. And when we don't get those, we figure that God mustn't be in the business of blessing me. And when I suggest to people that they should ask for God's blessing, I get this response like, no, 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 that wouldn't be right. I can't impose on God like that. Part of that is because we've all probably heard the God wants to make you rich distortion of the gospel, and we've rejected that, rightly so. I I couldn't agree more. But let me take you back to Jabez. He, as we've read, didn't have the best sort of start in life, with a name like Jabez, which literally meant pain. But at some point, he decided enough was enough. It was time to ask God for his blessing, and he did, And God answered him with a great big fat yes. Here's how Jesus put it to his disciples. You can read it in John chapter 16, verses 23 and 24. He said, look, truly I tell you, if if you ask anything of the Father in my name, he'll give it to you. Until now, you haven't asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive so that your joy may be complete. This isn't the only time he says that, by the way. Quite a number of times, Jesus said, ask and you will receive. Now, why is that? Is Jesus promoting selfishness? Let's stop and think about that. 
If a child goes to its mother or father and asks for help, asks them to do something for them, will the parent grant their request or not? I'm a dad. Let me tell you how it works. I want to bless each of my children. Sometimes, though, they ask selfishly or, or they're behaving badly. Well, not often these days because they're all grown up, but back when they were kids. And on those occasions, I would withhold my blessing. But if they came to me and asked me for something good for the right reason, I couldn't wait to bless them. It's just what I wanted to do because I love them. Now, the Bible talks about asking for God's blessings for the wrong reason. Have a listen, James chapter 4, verses 2 and 3. You did not have because you did not ask. You asked and you didn't receive because you asked wrongly in order to spend what you gained on your pleasures. So God's just like any father. He'll bless whenever he can, but not when we ask selfishly with the wrong motives. The point is, it's a point that Jesus made over and over again that he does want us to ask, and to ask believing that he rewards those who do because he's the best dad in the universe and he wants to bless you. He really does. Now, you may look at your life at the moment, at the one difficult situation that's confronting you right now, and, and doubt deep in your heart that God actually wants to bless you. Let's say you have a totally, completely and utterly intractable issue going on in your marriage. You and your wife or your husband, as the case may be, are drifting apart and you simply can't see how it's going to work out for the good. You just can't seem to get on the same page as each other, even though you've tried everything in the book. Okay, you're not perfect and you've tried everything, everything. You've prayed over it and, and, and God hasn't shown up. Well, here's the answer. Believe that God wants you to ask. Believe that God wants to bless you. Take Jesus absolutely at his word. Claim the word of God for yourself because God means it for you. Literally, ask and receive that your joy may be complete. That's what Jesus is saying to you right now. They are not my words. They are not the empty, hollow promises of a prosperity doctrine preacher. These are the very words of Jesus. Ask and receive that your joy may be complete. And into that difficult, intractable situation, ask over and over again. Pray knowing that God hears you, that God wants to bless you, and that God in his absolutely perfect time will answer you. And don't stop until he does. I wonder, given that difficult situation you're going through, whether you've prayed that way faithfully and consistently day after day for God to do what you cannot do. I wonder whether you've dived into your relationship with God in this real practical way and spent time asking him over and over again. Because if you haven't, that's what he's waiting for. If you haven't, that's exactly what the Bible tells you to do because God wants to bless you. I want to share with you right now the biggest turnaround in thinking about God's blessing that we can ever experience. It's changing our understanding completely about what God is on about when he talks about his blessing. I want to go back to another parable about persistence in prayer because I think 
we can get the wrong impression about God's blessing if we read these parables from Jesus incorrectly. We're going to Luke chapter 11, verses 5 to 8. Jesus said to them, Suppose one of you has a friend, and you go to him at midnight, and you say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread, for another friend of mine has just arrived, and I have nothing to set before him. And this guy answers from within, Don't bother me. The door's already been locked. My children are already in bed with me. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you anything because he is a friend, at least because of your persistence, he will get up and give you what you need. It's an odd parable, that one, like the parable of the unjust judge. In this one, God is compared to a neighbour who is unwilling to get out of bed and help you in the middle of the night, which is really weird because God never sleeps. He, he, he never doesn't want to help you. He's never short on bread to give you. So, so what's this parable saying? Is it saying that we have to drag a blessing out of God? No. It's saying that God wants us to be persistent, to keep on asking because he wants to build a healthy dependence on him in us. How do I know that? Because immediately what follows on from this parable is this familiar passage, Luke chapter 11, verses 9 to 13. So I say to you, ask, and it'll be given to you. Search, and you'll find. Knock, and the door will be opened. For everyone who asks receives. Everyone who searches finds. And for everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Is there anyone among you, if your child asks for a fish, will give a snake instead of a fish? Or if the child asks for an egg, will give a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So God's saying here that he totally gets it, that we need a blessing. And when we ask him, even more so than an earthly parent, our Heavenly Father will give us every good thing. But here's the turnaround I want to share with you today. It's not a case of having to drag the blessing out of God because God has already purposed the blessing for us. Listen very carefully to these words written by the Apostle Paul to the church in Ephesus. Very, very carefully. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. What does that verse say? It says that God has already blessed you in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. So what's a spiritual blessing? Well, the word spiritual here relates to the human spirit or the rational soul, that part of us which is akin to God. It belongs to God, but it's part of us. That's what the word spiritual is referring to. And blessing? What's that word actually mean? Well, it's the Greek word eulogia, which means to praise, to speak well of. You know the word eulogy, when someone gets up at a person's funeral and says nice things about that person. That's where we get the word eulogy from. So if we put those two words together, spiritual and blessing, God is already, he has already, he continues to speak his good words, his praise for us, good things for our lives into our spirit in the heavenly places. Now, at first blush, that may not be so encouraging. Great, so God's saying nice things about me. But let me ask you, how did God create the universe? Do you remember? Back there in Genesis chapter 1, then God said, let there be light. And there was light, Genesis chapter 1 verse 3. And each part of creation, God spoke into existence. Why? 
How? Well, Paul tells us in Romans chapter 4, verse 17. He says that God gives life to the dead and calls into existence things that do not yet exist. So God is speaking blessings into existence, just in the way that he spoke creation into existence. In fact, it's past tense. He's already done it. It's a done deal. Not just a few blessings, but every spiritual blessing. They're already on their way because God has already spoken them into existence. Let's read that verse from Ephesians again with a brand new understanding. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. He has already blessed you in Christ with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. And those blessings are already on their way, a steady flow, right when God purposes them into your spirit, into your life. So not only is God a fantastic father who wants to bless you, not only does God have the power to bless you, but he already has. He's already spoken every blessing for your whole life into existence and they will each come to pass on the very day that God purposes them. Has that just blown your understanding of God's blessing completely out of the water? Has that just given your understanding of God's blessing a complete 180 degree turnaround? Because now, when you're going to God over and over again asking for his blessing, you don't have to go there with this hangdog kind of attitude that you've you had to drag a blessing out of a stingy God who really can't be bothered getting up out of bed for you. Now you can go to God for armed with the truth, knowing that he wants to bless you, knowing that he has the power to bless you, and knowing that he has already spoken every spiritual blessing into existence. Now you can go to him day after day, asking for his blessing and know that it's really on its way because by knowing the truth, God has set you free to receive his blessing. Listen to me very carefully. God wants to bless you. I don't know if you've heard of the Gaither Band, but I absolutely love them. Love their music and what they're on about. They sing a song called One Good Song. It's all about cutting back all the stuff we have in our lives, all all the clutter, all the things we buy and we think that are so necessary to our lives. The chorus of that song goes something like this. I'll just say it. I can't sing it. It says, I'm learning how to separate the wants from the needs. A good life now comes with just a few simple things. Jesus in my heart, a place to belong, a few good friends, and one good song. Oh, my latest list, well, it ain't too long. Just a godly love and one good song. I first heard that song quite a few years back now, and the line that really convicted me was the one about learning to separate my wants from my needs. The more I thought about it, the more I realised that I'd started to believe that a whole bunch of my wants were in fact my needs, that all these optional extras were necessary to my well-being and happiness, necessary to life itself. It's easy to do because the more the basics in our lives are met, things like food and shelter and our basic health, a job, an income, enough to go around, the more God has those bases covered for us, the more we start looking into the optional extras a bigger income, a a bigger house, a nicer car, a great holiday, and this and that, and maybe this and that. Wow, look at that. 
And, and when we can't have them straight away, we imagine that somehow our existence is impaired. I say all this by way of qualifying what I'm going to talk about today because we're checking out what God's Word has to say on the important, the vital subject of His blessing in our lives. And I want to make something very, very clear. Right now, we're going to be talking about our needs, not our wants, our needs. Everything I'm going to say about God's blessing in your life today is focused on what you need, not necessarily on your wants above and beyond your basic needs. Okay, so let's get into them. As I said at the outset, not everybody in this world has their basic needs met. There have been times in my life, in the life of the ministry in which I work, where there wasn't enough income to support the ministry, and in fact to support putting food on the table for our family. That's a need. And I know that there are people listening today who are desperately lonely, people who are looking for the right marriage partner and he or she hasn't come along. Perhaps you're elderly and your family's all gone and and you find yourself desperately alone. I know there are people listening today, many of them in fact, who live in war zones around the world, in parts of Africa and parts of the Middle East. We have lots of people listening to this program today on stations all around the world from dangerous places. And you don't even know you're going to be safe, right? And here Bernie comes on the radio and he's yabbering on about God wanting to bless me again. Doesn't this joker realise how desperate my situation is? Doesn't, Doesn't he get it? As things turn out, I do. And so does God. And that's what I want to share with you right now. Have a listen to what the Apostle Paul has to say on having his needs met. And by the way, before I read it to you, let me tell you what the context is. When Paul wrote this, He was on death row, chained to a Roman soldier in a Roman dungeon. Just so you realise that he wasn't writing this, sitting back on the French Riviera, sipping Sauvignon Blanc, right? This is what he said, I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at last you have revived your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned for me, but you had no opportunity to show it. Not that I'm referring to being in need, for I have learned to be content with whatever I have. I know what it is to have little, and I know what it is to have plenty. In any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being well-fed and of going hungry, of having plenty and of being in need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. In any case, it was kind of you to share in my distress. You Philippians indeed know that in the early days of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you alone. For even when I was in Thessalonica, You sent me help for my needs more than once. Not that I seek a gift, but I seek the profit that accumulates to your account. I have been paid in full and have more than enough. I am fully satisfied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gift that you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will fully satisfy every need of yours according to his riches in the glory in Jesus Christ. To our God and Father be glory for ever and ever. Amen. Philippians chapter 4, verses 14 to 20. So Paul's out there doing ministry. He's preaching Christ across the known world. That takes finances. That takes resources. And while we know that along the way he worked as a tent maker to support himself sometimes, he also relied on the generous support of the churches which he'd planted and helped to grow, like the church here in Philippi that he was writing to. And he especially needed the help right now when he was in prison because when you were in prison back in those days, you you couldn't earn money and they didn't provide for you very well. You essentially had to provide for yourself. So Paul needed prayer support. He needed financial support. He needed friendship. 
but it seems that for a while his beloved friends in Philippi had forgotten him. But now he tells them, and he tells us, he's so thankful for their gifts, which no doubt came in just the nick of time. Paul talks a lot about being content, however, whether in need or fully supplied, whether with a full belly or with an empty one, because he's discovered the secret that no matter what the world throws at him, good or bad, he can do all things. He can get through all things. He can be content through all things through Christ who strengthens him. There's a huge lesson in that for anyone whose basic needs aren't covered right now. Christ is the answer. Notice how boldly Paul says that he's not a victim here, cowering in defeat. He's confident because Jesus is in that place with him, just as well, because none of the other churches that he'd served helped support him other than the Philippians. He could have become quite bitter and twisted over that, but no, his faith is in Jesus. Christ is his provision, come what may. And that's the first point I want to make to you. When you're in that place where your needs aren't being met, And Paul's needs, I think you will agree, were pretty desperate there on death row. Jesus is your provision. You can get through it all. You can get through all things through Christ who strengthens you, even though, like Paul, you find yourself in a time of distress. When when the days are black, draw close to Jesus in prayer. Pull up and rest in him and rely on him and ask him to bless you and trust him to bless you because he's the bottom line. And this is my second point to you today. He will always supply your needs. Did you notice how Paul, this death row prisoner, finishes his letter to the Philippians? Have another listen. I have been paid in full and have more than enough. I am fully satisfied now that I've received from Epaphroditus the gift that you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will fully satisfy every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Paul's not writing a theological textbook here. It's a letter to friends and out of his own real world experience, sitting there on death row, not knowing whether he'll live or die, he is able to say to them that his God, the God whom he's come to know intimately in these dark days in the dungeon, that God will fully satisfy every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Notice Paul makes a sharp distinction here between wants and needs. He's talking about our needs only, and based on his first-hand experience of the faithfulness of God, he's able to tell his friends in Philippi, indeed you and me, that God will supply all your needs. Just before we go, I'd like to tell you about a free gift that we'd love to send you to help you experience the power of God more and more in your life. Each month, Bernie writes a new life application booklet around the sorts of issues that we all deal with in life. It's designed to take you deeper into God's word and then to help you live out what you've discovered. It's about helping you experience God's love and power in your faith walk. To request the latest e-booklet, visit ChristianityWorks.org and you'll see that free offer towards the top of the homepage. I'm believing that it'll be a mighty blessing to you. Again, that web address is ChristianityWorks.org. I'm Jennifer. You've been listening to Christianity Works with Bernie Dimet, and we'll catch you again next time.